podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Ajit. Today with me, I have a returning guest, Manjunath. Hello, Manjunath. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Yeah, Hi, Ajit. Thanks a lot for having me as always. No, it's always a pleasure hosting you, right? It's always a lot of fun chatting with you about uh, cricket and cricket-related topics. But before we go there, I know I work as a frontline health worker in India. So, how are things related to COVID uh, in your part of India, Manju? Yeah, so the April 4th, uh, we started with the second wave uh, with uh, reports coming in from Delhi and the uh, northern part of the country where a lot of deaths uh, were reported and a lot of infections. And then the south uh, just caught up recently in the month of May. But right now, the positivity rate is just coming down. So I think we should we are heading for a sort of plateau in the number of cases, new cases. So I'm just hopeful that uh, the number will reduce further. So I'm optimistic uh, to say this, put it lightly. Good to hear. How are day-to-day cases? I mean, do you see it's uh, dipping sufficiently or do you still see a lot of pain and suffering? Uh, yes, the pain and suffering which we see is the quantum is less because there are more survivors. And uh, we see more of sequelae, like complications, uh, which are there, like fungal infections. And also, uh, there were a few people who had to undergo amputations for their limbs. So there are a few complications compared to the wake of the seriousness, it is less. But uh, definitely, there is a quantum of disease load in the society, even for those who haven't succumbed to the virus. That is one of the important parts. I understand where you're coming from. I, I really hope... These other things which usually wait until, as you say, you know, once the water has receded, come the diseases, they say. So yes. I'm really hoping it's not like that. And uh, it's 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 a small wave rather than a big wave of these side diseases or these, you know, other uh, other things that come after the big one. And okay. anyway, they're they are also predicting a possible third wave. So yes. I'm, uh, I'm really hoping, you know, the third, at least the second wave is supposed to be the most devastating. So the third wave is supposed to be much milder as far as predictions go. So we are really hoping that's how it pans out in in uh, your part of India. Cannot stress enough on the importance of vaccination. So yeah. even some of our listeners, those who are able to get uh, your vaccines, please go and get them. That is only sincere advice from us. A good point. So I can tell you, I have got the dates for my own vaccination. Okay, that's great. So I'm really hoping to also be able to get vaccinated as soon as possible and you know, looking forward to other things as close to coming back to normal. It's it's sort of unrealistic yet, but, uh, you know, maybe travel outside of uh, my city or my country. I don't know uh, what, what we can do. Let's see. 
but uh, all right uh, good to know things are on the mend and at least this so called second wave is on the way rather than it's still pulling uh, very high numbers but as i said uh, you know wishing you uh, with your everyday work uh, all the best from uh, you know me my co-host and everyone here that we know because i think you are one of the few frontline workers that i know personally and you probably see a lot of uh, yeah a lot of pain and suffering due to this uh, disease in the last one one and a half years thank you so now on to slightly lighter matters well cricket yeah. so i think first let's begin with the uh, wonderful uh, test that just ended yesterday so it was the england and new zealand uh, test the first test held at lords the first test of summer you know it's sort of test in england is sort of the hallmark of summer for a summer has begun so to say right yes well i mean a good test match uh, unfortunately a whole day was lost and i think it robbed us of a potential result otherwise i think the test match was set beautiful set up beautifully manjunath yeah definitely and after watching the brisbane game most of the indian fans were wondering as to why certain tactics were adopted in the final stages but ultimately you know playing for safety is also one of the very old uh, strategies of the test test format so i think we should also appreciate that uh, like england didn't lose it so that was uh, to say fair to say that correct i mean it was a very sporting declaration right from kane yes, williamson yes. to make even a potential fourth innings happen they could have just batted out the whole day if they wanted or three fourth of the whole day or whatever right i mean some yes, test yes. some teams do if it's the first match of a five match series or something some teams tend to make it as a statement so that it can you can grind the opposition down for the upcoming tests usually the fourth fifth tests yes. are always decisive something like this right uh, but in this case it was a very nice sporting declaration from kane williamson and Uh, they tried to push but then i think england basically shut shop which is which is a part which is a big deal and it's a big part of test cricket what you correctly pointed out right and right. frankly come on comparing it to i think this comparisons to gabba will always come yeah 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 but frankly it was wasn't it once in a lifetime for many of us probably that sort of a chase or once in a generation at least definitely so like all those who have been happy to watch the chase should just uh, like they should be they should be aware that you know the other situations are different so they cannot extrapolate everything to the rishabh pant or that kind of effort so it's very less likely to happen again i may still be wrong but still there are always one of those chases i think there was a west indies versus england test in 84 if i'm not wrong where gordon greenwich yeah. was limping and he hit 200 on the last day and they west indies won in when in those days 314 315 or even 320 in a 70 over game was almost unbelievable but they chased it down in yeah. 70 75 overs but those happen once in a generation but otherwise yeah. it was still such a nice exciting test right so first of all some very uh, exciting uh, news if you are a new zealand fan because devon conway who sort of after his debut has shown he's belong he belongs at the highest level there are no doubts right so he proved that again on debut at lords double 100 A double hundred in the maiden game. Well, what do you take away from this innings from Devon Conway? Yeah, mainly it shows that uh, he has the technical adaptation for Test cricket. So there was not too much of any trigger movement or any shuffle, and he doesn't use any of these fancy uh, like quirks and technique, which so many people keep on discussing. So I think it's all falling well in place for him. And overall, I really enjoyed his. Uh, some of his cover drives were really good to watch, and uh, it reminds us of another. a debutant in 96 so uh, it's very difficult to compare them because mm. he has a good on side game also conway but uh, definitely it is good like to see another left hander make his debut and do well 
so that's a good uh, good sign well hang on to that point because uh, today's uh, trivia question will be based on that something like okay right maybe multiple left handers who got their debut hundreds at right far in england right so right. we'll we'll get to that but well when you look at the rest of the innings at some point in time in new zealand were in a bit of trouble when they lost yeah. australia for 114 right it could have been that you know they could have maybe been bundled out for 200 or 220 but again in comes henry nichols you know he's such an underrated player as far as new zealand are concerned but also anywhere else and you know if you look at who has consistently averaged above 15 in the last 4 years right yeah. you have all, all the obvious suspects you have virat kohli you have kane williamson and you have steven smith and guess who the fourth name in that list is it is this guy henry nichols i mean he doesn't have a very flattering average like it doesn't top 15 yet because i think in the first couple of his tests he didn't have such a high average mm. but in the last 4 years he's averaged about 50 right mm. with about 600 this is what i read mm. so a very unsung character very much in the mold of a new zealand cricketer he makes 61 and along with uh, conway make sure you know new zealand are not bundled out yeah that was very important at that point because they after that they mark would trigger a collapse and like they had even three wickets like 6 7 and 8 gone for one run Uh, so they didn't have any contribution from the middle order so literally they that partnership propped them up and helped them reach the 378 which they reached eventually so definitely that uh, even india could do with uh, someone like that who can hold one end up and you know build a partnership in that way what is say what is says right probably somebody like you know i think rahane rahane can yeah. be a bit more attacking in this game of course but also right. anma vihari maybe right 5 6 somebody who bats Correct. at 5 6 uh, can act as a fulcrum okay. around which the entire uh, we have a slightly more active tail i would like to think with pant some at least you mm-hmm. you might have ashwin you might have some spinners who can bat right and right that would be a good pivot to bat around but you are absolutely right here from 288 for 3 indeed yeah. uh, new zealand were then looking at a 500 at that stage but then lower middle and tail got blown away except for neil wagner who yeah. he was batting at 11 but unfortunately in this 11 he would bat at uh, number 11 in most 11s he would be probably batting at 8 or 9 but he comes out right. and he wax 25 and you know mm-hmm. make sure he takes devon convert to his made in double 100 so well played to neil wagner as well because I mean, right. unlike normal he didn't have a very good test with the ball so this was his most telling contribution right this innings with the right. bat anderson is as always he took a two for broad seems to be still warming up for the summer right but they had the debutant ollie robinson so what did you make of his bowling in this test uh, manju yeah it uh, he has a good action like it's a high arm he doesn't lose height through the crease and uh, he comes through with good energy so he had one of the best on field and the worst off field start to his career so and very unfortunate for him that it's like uh, he's now a one test wonder pending investigation but uh, like definitely he can play the role which stuart broad has played over the years along with taking wickets also so definitely there is a scope for him in the future uh, what notwithstanding whatever outcome comes out of his matter right now well i expect certain amount of censure i expect a rap on the knuckles maybe a fine yes. he's already issued Probably. an apology on that day out came the apology and look he was also a teenager when he said it uh, exactly we all have made uh, silly mistakes when we were teenagers but unfortunately he, he compounded it by actually airing it out to the public in general right. right public in large public at large so you know recently i was looking at another tweet uh, a tweet that was highlighted by a friend of the show shritama panda 
Matt Parkinson, the leg break bowler who's sort of in and around the England setup currently. When he was a 15 year old, he called Kohli a bunch of funky names, like mm. teenagers, 10 to something, yeah. right? There were Indian fans highlighting it, or what appeared to be fans of Indian cricket. They were highlighting it to ECB and saying he should also be censured or he should also be, you know, sort of maybe mm. penalized. It's interesting. So right. this whole thing, right? Apparently, at least when I was growing up, I was always told at 15 you cannot make such a big mistake unless you have gone and done something really drastic that might affect you when you're 25. But apparently these days mm. it can, especially if you went out online yeah. in social media and ranted your feelings, even whether they were funny yeah. or whether they were serious. Look, at least some of the things that Robinson said were not in any in any way funny. But mm. to be believed, he would have grown up beyond that. That was an 18, 19 year old who was probably also going through some tough times in his life. So I, Ollie Robinson, I, if you followed his career, he famously was kicked out of Yorkshire for really not being very professional. But then he landed up at Sussex, where right. again under the coaching of uh, Jason Gillespie, he sort of turned his mm. life and his career around. And today he's playing for England. It's one of those nice stories, but unfortunately, it started not in a nice way. But if you were to focus on his on-field exploits, I think you may have a good point. I see he has this he has this never say die attitude, be it with the ball or with the bat, right? Battles. He's he's not he's not very uh, he's not very fast, but yeah, you you could say he could be setting himself up for a potential role of a Stuart Broad. Well, I mean, mm. I was really hoping somebody like Chris Wokes would mature and then take yeah. the role of Anderson. But it yeah. could be that these two, you know, Wokes, Robinson, you used to, we would still have somebody like Mark Wood and Ollie Stone. And of course, let's not forget yeah. that guy, Archer, right? He's not here in this level. Yeah. So right. these are all, these are all very nice prospects and you have Overton twins, right? And mm. you have uh, the Curran brothers, you have a lot of other good fast bowlers, right? Who are also lurking in the background. So I think England, they're very, they're very blessed when it comes to this fast, fast bowling riches. So, yeah. well, one thing I wanted to ask, given that a day was lost, probably that result would never materialize. But did you think England got their balance right when they did not select any spinner for this test? Yeah, that is a very interesting point. Uh, the problem is that many times, uh, like, they are playing in their home conditions. So, uh, like, although there are a few counties, like if you see there is a Taunton, a uh, few grounds, where they get very dry and they are good, the spinner comes into the game. So probably they could have analyzed the conditions better because definitely there was some turn on offer. So like when they were stuck and not getting wickets, definitely a spinner would have been a good option. I don't know what would be the confidence level of Bess, but maybe Jack Leach fitness permitting, he could have been there in the fold in place of maybe another all-rounder or another seamer. So that is something they have to see, like how to utilize their spinners more efficiently. Like even if it's home conditions, you need not be biased in selection. So that is one thing that could have been a factor. I think given how Joe Root bowled himself in the winter tour. Exactly. exactly. I think he may have backed himself and he did bowl um, 10 10, 10 hours or so or 12 hours in the first innings, right? Maybe that was a missed opportunity, but it it wasn't going to cost them anything because the test did not Mm. have enough time to have a result. But... When it came to England innings as well, they had, again, a similar sort of a story. One left-handed dogged opener holding one end up. Yeah. But they had, I think, a slightly better balance. Joe Root 42, Ollie Pope. Look, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really worried about this guy. Again, he's come back into the setup, but I would like to see him score some big runs. Because yeah. there are plenty of people waiting in the wings as far as middle-order batting is concerned, right, for England. You don't have yeah. Bairstow, Butler, 
uh, who are both rested you don't have stokes i mean right. if stokes were there oliver robinson wouldn't have played even if you wanted to play a spinner and of course mm-hmm. bracy wouldn't have made his debut bracy had i think a decent debut not 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 much to write home about either with the bat or not much to say behind the stumps mm-hmm. but a decent debut but then oliver robinson i think his innings was very crucial because again in england could have been in lots of trouble at you know 6 for 140 if they were i don't know 7 for 155 or 160 they could have been again bundled out for under 200 or even just 200 because that 75 run cushion whether even with the time loss would have been a big deal right so then right. if new zealand had started i don't know 175 head instead of 100 ahead uh, the whole complexion yeah. of this game could have been changed right they could have as well right. declared very well overnight uh, with a very few addition gone played a t20 and declared that would have probably right. given a full full uh, result chance but well done to rory burns i think he was also proving a point it was just his third 100 and he 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 wanted one i think because uh, it's it's right. the first test of a long long period let's say not only the summer but also for ashes the ashes that's coming up in winter for england i think they'd be looking forward to you know sort of firming up their team because it's always around the ashes isn't it for england yeah and uh, he hit a very good slog sweep of wagner so i enjoyed that shot a lot from rory burns mm-hmm. so that shows that he's in a good mind space so uh, that is good signs for them because their opening combination was really uh, called to question even when they came to tour india barring the first chennai test they were always they would be nothing for two next to nothing for two and people would be struggling so yeah it was a different test of spin but in the long run it's better to have a stable opening combination right look dom sibley answered answered the critics he made a dour 60 yeah. he took up 3 3 and a half hours of time and even 4 hours right. of time and then stood there and made sure you know he was not out so that that's well done to him joru to b- bunch of 40s good warm up ali pop another 20 right in the last mm-hmm. innings but i mean i think we should we should not skip the contribution of uh, tim saudi here bowling in right. very uh, very uh, you know friendly conditions nonetheless he took a 6-4 once again ended up on the lords you know, honors board honors kyle jamison who took the new ball ahead of uh, trent bolt who was not playing right he took a 3-4 neil wagner was a bit a bit costly it's very uh, let's say um, uncharacteristic for a guy who's always you know uncharacteristic such a workhorse called the grand home mm-hmm. very parsimonious in both the innings pretty much mitchell santner when you look at it that way right if ken williamson or somebody could twirl a few overs they could have filled in that role they could have had another full right. bowler probably or another full batsman there but well mitchell sandler did, did his bit i would say sandner so that was okay but all in all a very enthralling test it sets up now a uh, one off series right whoever takes that test will probably win the series because you can't see mm-hmm. two draws unless it's very severely weather affected do you think in england yeah definitely in england is a place where fans like also they expect results and rightly so because of the weather the game can move very fast teams collapse in a session or under one and a half sessions or they can be like a long partnership like how headingly 2002 in pitch dark dada and all they cashed in when sanjay bangar had done the hard work in the morning so things can turn around very quickly so it is an exciting uh, next test actually absolutely look um, one other thing that was of interest for me is uh, both the captains felt the scoring was a bit slow compared to previous seasons on this game right. therefore maybe it cost them a result option but i thought it was a very keenly contested test and look yes. come the second test 
both teams have chose to add a few players so for example dombes is back in the mix i think he looked good okay. in his uh, county games that he was playing for yorkshire so i think the england uh, management like what they've seen so far and he's back and of course yeah. uh, trent bolt trent bolt is now i think he's coming out of quarantine a bit earlier so mm. there are some relaxations in quarantine we hear and uh, he may actually get a chance to warm up properly will play a test for the world test championship for best also the there has been a lot of problem of this full tosses right so i think in india he just helped uh, our batsmen every now and then he would serve a beautiful gift mm-hmm. and will be gleefully accepted so i think if he is just if he can come out of that and maybe bowl six good balls it will be a great thing for him that way indeed you are absolutely right he did not look international cricket ready but you know cricketers mature in their own time sometimes Yeah, there is a there is a saying Correct. it's an old school saying of course that spinners come into their own only when they are about 30 until then you Correct. it takes that much time for you to understand your art and try to be comfortable mm. with what you have and understand you can do a lot with what you have you don't have to have a dusra or um this and that you know yeah. when you are young you can get a bit swayed away yeah right so now shifting the focus a little bit to the world test championship that's coming up we know the indian team has landed the indian men's team and the indian women's team both have landed in england right and apparently in a in a nice gesture it looks like even their families are allowed to join them for a period of the tour not the entire tour of course but uh, for a short period of tour even their families are allowed to join them do you think this will this will go a long way in sort of keeping the players in the right mindset because there is such a thing called bubble fatigue right we've read enough about it yeah yeah definitely recently even andre russell has gone on record saying that how the bubble to bubble life is affecting his health so it will definitely help and even when mumbai won the first pandemic post pandemic ipl mm. one of the key factors was how the management ensured the families with the players so it will definitely be a good a good sign for the days to come indeed so i think that's some lessons learned by the indian management uh, previously it used to be always in the latter half of the tour families used to join the players so it's also nice to see that both men's and women's players are allowed to bring some family so that you know both are allowed to make sure that their mental their their mental fitness also remains the same through the tour it's going to be a grueling tour right so women are going to play the test uh, before the men uh, rather yeah. alongside the men it it was a bit it it was a bit weird to see that but well we, we've already yeah. we've already complained about it in one of our previous episodes but it it comes back to me that maybe yeah. it could have been you know better uh, scheduled so that focus could have been on the women's yeah. test as a day night test played to the pink ball it could have been a wonderful outing as a cricket fan i'm not complaining right so i get to start the day with men's test and end it with the women's test so to say so yeah. why not good good now if you were to take a look at some of the other cricket happening around uh, these parts that is in the netherlands so we have this wonderful three one day series that was played a bilateral series between uh, netherlands and ireland so netherlands walked away with a 2-1 series win well it's the first time they have ever beaten ireland in two games previously they have played ireland in 11 games and they had only beaten them once in odis some some interesting stats have come across but when you look at it it's been a relatively low scoring series uh, manjunath what do you think about it yeah there have been a few slow innings also it uh, it has uh, taken us back to the old school maybe odi cricket and sometimes uh, you know a low scoring game can still be interesting and there were games going to the last over so like maybe the could it could be the thrill of odi cricket people will disagree with me t20 fans but i still feel you know if we have a few like 240 250 games which we used to have earlier in odi cricket we may rediscover the love for the format maybe maneuvering the runs 
and that way like when it's a little difficult for scoring rather than having this belters which are an extension of a t20 game so that way i feel it was good uh, i couldn't watch it i just followed it through commentary it was quite good i mean i think you hit the nail on the head the other thing is look every every venue has its own sort of average score and i was recently looking at uh, dhaka ashere bangla i was quite surprised that the average is 240 there even in modern cricket that's yeah, that's yeah. quite low but you know in this ground uh, and kampong at utrecht maybe mm. the average yeah. score is 200 because the batsmen seem to struggle there right. was there seem to be even bounce i was looking at some of the games in patches but the batsmen always seem to struggle i don't know if it's something to do with the quality of the bowling or just batsmen not having the touch because they are coming back into competitive cricket after a while or just that the conditions are a bit tough for me it was somewhat a combination of all three because bowling from both sides dominated no doubt when you look at the scores that then 200 was never topped in the entire three game series and it was almost always a chasing game right in the first game ireland were very unlucky to lose by one run because i think in the end they bottled it because up until about 5 hours mm-hmm. to go they were more or less in control because you know netherlands really huffed and puffed their way to 195 that too thanks to almost a runner ball 49 by tim funder kuchten in the first odi because there were only mm-hmm. a bunch of 20s before that there's nothing really in the that score card well craig right. young three wickets simi singh one wicket but very restrictive and then josh little three wickets right so josh little was for me ireland's josh little has been quite a revelation he bowls fast when he wants to and he brings the left arm variety and he brings a bit of threat to the batsmen so this is very nice to see right and they have a bunch of steady seamers as well craig young barry mccarthy so all in all they made use of the conditions and the good bounce that was available 195 i mean there is no way you can say how well the match is going to go right both teams might face the same sort of situation right. exactly same thing happened so paul sterling batting right at the top held the innings together until he came across simi singh who was batting at number 7 and these both were the people that sort of you know built the innings back up because at some point in time it it looked even tough whether there's going to be a game because 5 for 69 it could have been 130 all out or 120 all out but paul sterling decided to wait out he knew he has the big shots i think he got out at a very unfortunate yeah. time you know 6 for 135 uh, around the 37th over otherwise he would have taken ireland home comfortably with two or three overs to spare this is my feeling simi singh is good mm-hmm. he has all the defensive strokes but he couldn't lift the run rate when required because in the last two or three overs there was a bit of panic running from ireland as a result they couldn't make it simi singh was run out in the first ball of the last over that could have been pivotal but i think yeah. all in all they would probably blame themselves because dutch bowling was pretty steady as well all the wickets were shared captain peter selar bowled the crucial 47th over as a spinner left arm spinner i mean he could have gotten it for one or yeah. two sixes and that would have been very dangerous in that situation right because there it was only run a ball yeah. but he took a couple of wickets and like hardly gave away any runs in that over i saw that that phase the last four overs of ireland innings i saw it live that was a very thrilling game the first one and the next two have been a bit one sided right so ireland were going to come back you know it so whoever batted first are finding it very tough so batting first netherlands made only 157 and in almost 50 overs 49.2 overs so it's it's becoming apparently tougher to score because again just a bunch of 20s and then max or doubt who made 36 right he was bold of a beauty so that ball i got to catch because mm. the ball was pitching on middle hitting off like a fast leg break or something of little mm. not a lot to do right again craig young four and josh little four wickets and chasing that well ireland were not going to give it away anymore william portfield not did not have a good good season or a good good series but 
Paul Sterling again 52, Andy Balbini the skipper 63, and Harry Tector 30. They finished it off without any any fuss. That set up the decider beautifully. And then in the decider, very interestingly, Ireland won the toss, but they chose to bat in the last game. That that that, that was pretty interesting. They were probably backing their batsmen from who were doing good in the previous game, right? And they had. They included Kevin O'Brien right at the top of the order. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be. Right. In this case, Clasen, Fred Clasen, mm-hmm. again he's a left-arm pacer. He's not as fast as Josh Little or somebody, but he bowls beautiful swing. He took out both Kevin O'Brien and Paul Sterling in the first four overs or so. After that, it was always going to be tough because these two were the big hitters in the eleven. Balbirni thirteen, Hector right. and George Docker, who's come back now as a batsman, middle-order yeah. batsman. He made forty, but they took yeah. a lot of balls over it. Simi Singh twenty-one not out in the end, but again. nearly into the 50th over ireland could only make 163 so in this case the dutch seamers mm. bowled very well tim van der goorten and frederick clausen william king had only one wicket to show for it but he was good logan van beek three wickets right and then when it came to dutch mm. innings steven myberg played a wonderful innings he played the role of pretty much paul sterling's first uh, odi you know sort of a, where he won the game though because they were chasing that much less 30 40 runs less because the dutch also scored it in the 46th over pretty much at the end of 46 overs they scored it because they also struggled except for steven myberg 74 and max odout who made another 36 very crucial 36 the first pair put on 66 for the first wicket if that had not happened if they had even made 30 or 35 this could have been a very close game i think but steven myberg made sure he batted through and he won the game for the dutch so a very deserved victory as far as netherlands are concerned right and uh, they also had a lot of home grown talent that has come through the you know the junior levels so that was nice to see if you are a dutch cricket fan bas delida musa ahmed right there are plenty of names here that you know you could expect will serve dutch cricket for a decade or more to come so all in all if you are a dutch cricket fan or fan of cricket just below the highest tier this was a wonderful series it's a, it's a good way to tell the organizers something do you think manju yeah the associate teams i think they should drop the term associate uh, for like for them and maybe call it something better uh, afghanistan is something people know because of the t20 leagues and their players grown names but definitely there exists a lot of talent uh, even zimbabwe is making a reserve uh, so definitely they should promote it further absolutely so i hope we get to see more at least yes. odi series or limited over games between uh, some of these other nations exactly. who are you know right at the cusp of the top 10 and uh, they have a point to prove yeah. well ireland would want to play a lot of tests as well so i mean this brings back the same story where maybe icc can explore a multi tier league both in odi i mean odi is probably not anymore but at least when it comes to tests they should explore a multi tier league <laughs> allow these other teams to play among themselves but grow grow into strong teams very quickly you know teams like india new zealand took even bangladesh took a lot of time and a lot of tests to sort of mature into that that level of maturity that can only come exactly. by playing long format cricket for many many games so if if icc wants to sort of make it a bit fast make this learning loop a bit shorter they could probably club a bunch of these teams start a second tier test league and ensure you know there are probably two players two teams right. that are promoted every world test championship yeah. cycle right out of some 6 or 8 you could already see zimbabwe afghanistan ireland right and then uh, you could see namibia maybe kenya if i don't know where yeah, the cricket papua is, guinea is from. Stages, but papua new guinea hmm. right yes i can already count yeah nepal right yeah nepal maybe nepal as well so 
we can ourselves count enough teams here who would probably be very very interested but then the problem is uh, there has to be a major injection of cash because right. i don't think test cricket is still a commodity that these countries can sell among themselves even if they were to host each other so icc would have to bring in some money and maybe not a lot of revenues would be generated from tv rights and other things which all these big teams count on right mm. you know speaking of tv rights uh, the indian limited over store of sri lanka has more or less been confirmed yeah. with uh, you know second string india squad that's going to go to sri lanka between 13th and 25th so you know this announcement yeah. came from the official broadcaster sony well bcci yeah. had sort sort of already announced the dates Hmm. but the broadcaster is actually drumming up interest right this is how powerful having a right. team even if your second string team can come play it's that's the amount of audience you would bring with you right this 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 channel can take care of all the fanfare that is supposed to be there because they can make up or they can come up with these rivalries that are already present right so for example they are saying shikhar dhawan or pandya could be one of the people leading the side or shreyas iyer who's been earmarked for greater things even at a higher level could be one of the leaders then they are saying of course uh, rahul dravid might take over as the coach who is usually sort of the de facto coach of india a and other teams so he would probably take over as a coach for the store right while ravi shastri uh, is with the main team in england so you know <clears throat> i i come across a bit of jealousy in some of our uh, neighboring cricket teams at times when they talk about indian cricket team and um there was recently one of their one of their ex captains slash selectors who said india has as many as 50 players mm-hmm. ready to play inter- international cricket at the drop of a hat and uh, there were many people who came up with oh 50 is too much i think uh, you are being uh, unnecessarily uh, you know praising the indian team because you are unnecessarily praising them look 50 people so and then that specific guy who was sort of ended up countering his own okay. argument because he counted up to 45 by himself if you just look at the number of people that are currently on tour or will be on tour mm. come july 10th right that will be 45 so that's, that's actually good. 45 people who are good enough to play international cricket so <clears throat> it it was a fun 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 thing for as a fan to hear right so that's just a quick aside but you know the main main thing if you were to look at it is that uh, sri lanka's england tour mm. right is now looking in jeopardy because um, 38 sri lanka's players these are all top uh, players in the island and in the men's cricket and 38 players have refused to sign the new contract at least the new touring contract so what has happened is they are being they have been playing on touring contracts or you know like holding contracts because the um, contract system is up for a rehaul and they have invented a new way but apparently the players are not happy because in a country like sri lanka where there are probably 38 to 40 elite cricketers who represent sri lanka in all formats now it looks like all 38 of them have refused to sign the contract i don't know what this really means we really hope it doesn't yeah. devolve into something right. that happened with uh, west indies uh, but uh, like if their players association uh, is definitely strong then uh, they will have their way uh, like how david warner was at the forefront but i don't know like siranka uh, how it pans out it will be interesting to see so because it will have to be seen from the perspective of both the Uh, both the sides like from the board side and the player side but definitely like maybe if it if it translates to better facilities for them while on tour while on quarantine it should be a win win situation for the players hmm well i mean it pretty much covers everybody who's played for sri lanka in the right. previous couple of 2 to 3 years i would dare say 
it includes their uh, current test skipper dimuth karunaratna big names like angelo matthews right newcomers like dananjaya de silva all the big bowlers right it's very weird to see such a huge list of people uh, really mm. revolting but maybe they have a point maybe you know the new committee that's been uh, headed by arvind de silva the technical committee and sri lanka's new director of cricket tom modi may have to consider a few other things probably revolution is right. going to come but not as quickly as they would like let me put it like this but revolution has to come right this because the contracts were very heavily mm. um, accountability based probably something that is irking many of the current and ex big names in and around the setup right so we'll see how this pans out unfortunately we really hope it's just a storm in the teacup rather right. than anything bigger now um psl is set to resume so from 9th of june we are expecting psl will be resuming and the final is slated for 24th of uh, this month right so it's a very short turnaround but then after that around 27th already the pakistani players would be leaving for england because they have a small limited overs leg as well while uh, india and uh, new zealand will be locking horns in the world test championship shortly after that pakistan will play a few limited overs games in england so it remains to be seen whether you know it, it, it seems like a slightly tight schedule but we really hope uh, ah, this comes to pass and it's something nice that uh, pakistan is always a very exciting team to watch when they are touring because they have a good they almost they almost always carry a good battery of fast bowlers so it remains to be seen how this goes so but nonetheless i would say congratulations to pcb if they are able to swing through and hold um the remainder of psl in uae because look yeah. uae is now due for a bumper year correct because uh, at least ipl at least now we hear some rumors right so ipl will probably be held in this window between yeah. september 15th and october 15th in uae right it's it's going to be a bit of a stretch because right. it's still very warm in uae in those months so if you are having back to back games it's going to be very tough for the first game that's being held much earlier in the day but i think bcci is trying to uh, minimize the number of back to back uh, games they are going to have in a day they are going to try to probably reduce mm-hmm. it from 10 to 4 or 5 they are trying to see right but then you know if the final let's say of ipl is on october 15th there's not a lot of time right. left to the world uh, cup and for now we hear the world cup might very well be held in uae as well because that's the way icc is leaning right the indian board has not sort of given up because they are still looking to sort out a few things there are some uh, there is some disgruntlement from icc about the test uh, sorry the taxation and the tax benefits that they are supposed to get and some other things so icc is trying to push bcci to say yes quickly but even in the meeting that happened recently icc could not get bcci to say okay let's host the uh, world cup in uh, uae because i think i think bcci is still trying to keep an eye out in india but you think that's that's realistic even even though we may say a third wave may have come and gone you you are somebody who works in the medical profession you probably have a better idea uh, no, is that even realistic uh, to consider main more than the wave it is the thing that you know is it feasible to manage the logistics of a tournament in the middle of the wave uh because many times like if suppose it, i can tell you the live example of vankhede stadium or uh, kotla uh, like a lot of scores of personnel have to be diverted to manage just these places because uh, like obviously if it is a closed door it is one part of the problem but even if it uh, like one side but if they are allowing limited crowds like suppose let us be optimistic so still a lot of machinery state machinery will be diverted to the conduct of the games 
so in that event then like uh, and with add to added to that the tax benefit problem which you raised so definitely it may be a deterrent for them from holding it in india so let us hope that if things improve well enough like at least there'll be some refreshment for the fans like who are longing to maybe have a stadium experience uh, with a little bit precautions so if it comes to that i'll be very happy otherwise even a closed door game will be okay so uh, let us see how it comes yeah right let's absolutely absolutely i mean this is this this is going to stay hard for another yes. two to three weeks at least until these decisions are taken i think but let's see um but uh, yeah from what we read and what we really can see in the wind icc wants it in uae and probably that's how it's going to be at least right. covid will be a sufficiently big enough reason that it's going to be moved to uae but then i think uae will be under a bit of stress or not depending on how you look at it because they have been doing it uh they did it with psl they will probably get to do it with ipl they'll be really drummed or they'll be really well drilled when it comes to right. um hosting a multi team tournament when it comes to logistics and other things right so we really hope that's how it's going to go now um when we look at how you know the csa awards night went about i think there are two big winners here so for men it is enric norkia and uh, for women it's shabnil ismail Shabnam Ismail, because Enric Norkia has won a bunch of awards. So he was the Test Cricketer of the Year. He's um, the Players Player of the Year and Fans Player of the Year. So that's fantastic. Enric Norkia, I think, a big strides because yes. if you remember last year, he was the best newcomer, right? From there to become the best player, that's that's a big step up. But it's not that big a deal apparently in South mm-hmm. African cricket because twelve people have done it. That consecutive years they have been. Um, you know best newcomer to best player that's fantastic to read and in women's cricket shabnam ismail has won the best uh, women's cricketer of course um lizel lee has won the odi cricketer and uh, again in this case shabnam yes. shabnam ismail has also won the t20 cricketer right so congratulations to them and the other winners uh in the last news that we would like to discuss some more tumult in uh, afghanistan cricket because asghar afghan has been sacked as the afghanistan test captain so apparently some of his decision making was not appreciated or even the first test loss to zimbabwe that in the recently concluded series that finished one all right uh, that is that is put directly at his door at asghar afghan's captaincy and as a result uh, well in 15 months is a long time to be a skipper of any team frankly and he's lost the captaincy currently so hashmatullah shahidi who scored a double hundred in the second test and sort of took afghanistan to a comfortable victory there right he'll be the new test and odi skipper and rahmat shah will be his deputy the guy who bats above him in the order number 3 rahmat shah but um, we don't know what it means for the career of askar afghan from this point on because he himself scored a big 164 if you remember in the second test and took afghanistan uh, to victory uh, interestingly rashid khan had been offered the t20i captaincy but he is not interested in a full time captaincy role like apparently because he's still more concerned about what impact it may have on his individual game and considering how important a player he is in that 11 no matter the format do you have any ideas do you have any choices would you would like to put forward as the t20a captain for afghanistan yeah actually for afghanistan uh, like uh, rashid is uh, one of their pivotal characters so i think like rashid's if at all like his work workload should be limited to setting his own field and going about his business because that is like four overs in the bank for a side like afghanistan is very valuable so definitely teams will try to play rashid out and then take the attack to the others uh, very rarely you'll have someone who's reading rashid well 
and then he puts him to the attack so definitely it will be a good idea like for him not to captain and i don't know how many years the president has left in him so like uh, if he can you know like a stop gap arrangement because he's there in every franchise around the world uh, and he's right. playing crucial roles and i think there is still a role for a traditional finger spinner in t20 so if they can for now they take him until maybe uh, like uh, someone else is ready to step in for the role properly it's an interesting challenge because look hashmatullah shahidi yeah at least plays some t20s so i would say unite the captaincies for now yeah for now hashmatullah shahidi has actually played a t20 this year because uh, they want a split captaincy but i think it might be time to unite it because um, give give rashid khan the freedom he wants and have hashmat right. shahidi sort of build a team in his own image and in his own way of thinking and give that a chance that would be the that would be the way forward because look mohammad nabi is only playing um t20is and uh, maybe odis but najibullah sadran is there he could be an option right. but i don't see too many options and usually you don't appoint a fast bowler because they tend to break down right and uh, about mujib uh, even mujib can be considered but we don't know his leadership skills and all we haven't seen much yeah exactly. so but he has to fix his place in the side first in the current combination they may not go with so many spinners all the time absolutely but look mujib or rahman is not a spinner yeah. <laughs> i mean with all due respect he opens the bowling right right and he's a fast leg break bowler right right correct i, I would say <laughs> when he's available he plays right. this is something and he's probably taking the place of a medium pacer in that level correct right he'll he'll open the he'll open with the new ball no matter the format i dare say mm. i don't know if he's a fixture in the test formats but at least when it comes to limited overs formats i see him playing whenever he's available mm. so it remains to be seen how it goes of yeah. course so some some thoughts let's see which way the board goes they have some time to make these decisions before the world cup now let's look at the trivia section so the trivia question from the previous episode was which captain holds the record for the most number of consecutive wins at the start of his test career so the clue i had given in the previous episode i don't know if you got a chance to listen to it manju was that uh, you have to go a few few decades back at least okay any any guesses few decades back okay well go almost 100 years back okay 100 years back uh, yeah uh, it is the big ship warwick armstrong uh, fantastic yeah. fantastic guess he was a contemporary of warwick armstrong but it was from the other team oh percy chapman from england okay okay he won his first okay. uh, nine tests in a row as captain okay it's fantastic that's the record i mean yeah. given the way we play cricket these days i hardly think that's going to be broken right yeah if you look at yeah. if you look at this list i'll tell you why your guess was so good warwick armstrong is in second place with eight consecutive wins okay okay right and very very near the end of his career out came pasi chapman who won nine right. then right. the next highest is four and there are multiple fours right wg okay. grace lord sure. hawk brian close yeah. ali bakar from south africa yeah. ms dhoni four and babar azam four currently not out right okay so it's 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 very interesting to see uh, that there used to be a time where teams could dominate each other i think when warwick armstrong eight in a row would, would probably be all against england and south africa probably in those days Pro- probably yes. and percy chapman something similar yeah. right yeah so he captained england between 26 and 30 this this at least this unbeaten um, streak was between 26 and 30 mm. so very interesting times yeah. uh, these days you you think it's very tough to I mean currently babar azam has four you think it's very tough for him to beat maybe we get to six you would have got you great things i think babar azam six in a row definitely it, that would 
definitely mean you would have probably won the next series yeah, captain yeah pakistan in a test exactly that's fantastic already mm. right right all right the trivia question from this episode it's thanks to friend of the show kaustub gudipati from twitter right kaustats so he came up with this stat that has become the question so remember my hint earlier right so mm. what is common to every cricketer who has made a 100 on test debut in england in the 21st century mm, okay there is something which is unique to all the people who have made a test debut uh, 100 in england mm. since 2000 so what is this right so you could probably give me an answer uh, off air yeah off air right? yeah yeah <laughs> all right mm. thanks a lot once again for uh, coming on the show as i said it's always a pleasure chatting to you yeah. would you like to give uh, give out maybe a ways in which our uh, listeners could reach out to you manju ah uh, yeah uh, they could follow me on twitter at the rate of v manjunath is my handle and also i am running this handle called the falling sweep it's a dormant for some time in pandemic times right and also they can uh, we also run this uh, podcast called click vidya with a couple of friends from delhi uh, both are data scientists sunit and yasir so you can also dm us at krikvidya's official handle it's at the rate of krikvidya i've heard krikvidya episodes and i think they've also gone a bit dormant or maybe i've not heard in the last couple of weeks because yes yes uh, due to the yeah during the second wave we haven't done much yeah true true all right yes i used to listen to you guys so i'm looking forward to listening to more episodes from you thanks so all the best with that yeah right and in any case all the best with all the work you're doing and thanks a lot once again because the kind of work you do is very important no matter where you're doing it thank you and also like recently uh, with relation to your update uh, please all our users listeners uh, tweet at the rate of verified for a blue tick for armchair cricket podcast thank you oh very kind of you thanks a lot oh yeah Uh, let's see if we can get it i think they get 10000 of those requests an hour or so yeah. twitter guys <laughs> yeah let's see when they'll get to us yeah all right thanks a lot manju and uh, goodbye yeah goodbye ajit this is the armchair cricket podcast Sit back and enjoy.